Hello, everybody. Welcome back in for another wonderful episode of The Confused Gentleman. We have a fantastic show for you today, one that we are all excited about. And we actually have a special guest with us who we will introduce to you shortly. As always, my name is Kip, and I'm here with my co-hosts, WD and Christian. You boys doing okay? Oh, yeah. We're doing all right today. Doing great. That's good. That's good. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about gun control and the gun measures. And the reason we find this important to discuss is the Biden administration came out a few days ago with six different topics or six different criteria, whatever you want to call it, on gun control. Now, this is no, no surprise because he campaigned on this. The Democrats have talked about gun control for years. This is not anything new, but this is the first practical step uh, towards gun control. So our guest today is a friend of all of ours. His name is Kendall. He works in uh, security and he works in a gun shop, I believe. He's been around guns. He knows everything in and out about guns and policing and force and the laws and everything like that. But he'll do a better job at at, uh, describing. So, Kendall, welcome on in. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So give the listeners, talk a few minutes about yourself, your expertise, your background, and uh, so they kind of get an understanding of who you are and why you're essential to this conversation. Right. Uh, So my name's Kendall. I'm an NRA instructor right now. I've been in the gun industry for nine years, a little over nine years. Uh, It's the only thing I've done in my adult life. I started out when I was 18, working at a big box store, selling guns. I got promoted to a lead and then a senior lead at that store. Uh, Left from there, went and worked at a gun range for a little while, uh, where I went through my NRA instructor certifications. I'm currently certified as an NRA pistol, rifle, and shotgun instructor and an NRA certified range safety officer. Um, I got promoted to manage that gun range. And then from there, uh, I went to the range that I'm at currently. Uh, To date, I've got a little over 400 hours of firearms training. Uh, I'm also now working in the private security uh, industry. I work for a company called Tactical Protection Specialists, where I'm also an instructor for them. Um, We teach everything from concealed carry, home defense, defensive pistol, uh, basic gun safety, and all of that includes the gun laws, relevant carry, use of force laws, weapon carry laws, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I come from a law enforcement background. My family and friends are pretty much all law enforcement. So I've grown up around this stuff. I've studied this stuff. This is all that I've ever done. And this is what I do professionally for a living is teach this stuff. It's fantastic. Um, I know we have had discussions over countless episodes that have come up in real life and what happened here or there, or you've talked about some of your private stories while you're on the job and things like that and it's uh it's fascinating and i will say this uh kendall's come prepared with notes he said he's got three pages of notes and he's done more preparation for any show than the three of us have combined so that is fantastic <laughs> news, <I think. laughs> most definitely <laughs> for all of us he came i don't want to get papers. caught off guard <laughs> yeah he, he, he came. i was like dude i'm just showing up for work <laughs> yeah so um, so uh, a disclaimer before we really get into this, uh, this episode we expect to kind of go long. Um, so if in the middle we go to break or something like that, uh, this episode may quickly turn into a two-parter. And uh, so just be aware of that. We don't know exactly where this conversation is going to lead us, but we are going to start off uh, focusing on those, uh, what the administration has uh, proposed. 
Um, specifically tonight, we're going to talk about three important ones, and we think the three other ones are kind of secondary or supportive towards the first one. So, uh, gentlemen, let's start with the the first component that he has here, and I'm going to read this directly off the White House website and the bolded print. The Justice Department, within 30 days, will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of, quote, ghost guns. And it continues to go on. We are experiencing a growing problem. Criminals are buying kits containing nearly all the components and directions for finishing a firearm within as little as 30 minutes and using these firearms to commit crimes. When these fire firearms turn up at crime scenes, they often cannot be traced by law enforcement due to the lack of a serial number. The Justice Department will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of these firearms. So... How do you guys want to start? Or, you know what? Let's start with this. Kendall, what is a ghost gun? I think that's that's where we need to start because <laughs> a lot of the audience probably doesn't know what a ghost gun is. And <clears throat> I hear this term and that there's a lot of misinformation about ghost guns. And, right? it's, not, and it's not a haunted pistol. It is not. It is not a haunted <laughs> pistol. Um, basically, a ghost gun. There are a lot of manufacturers that make frames for guns that are not entirely complete uh polymer 80 p80 is a very common one a lot of people use and basically that is a kit for a glock pistol but the holes for all the pins are not pre-drilled into the polymer so it comes with the plastic it comes with a little guide for your drill when you get it you have to manually drill out the holes for the pins and then you assemble an upper which contains the barrel and all of that stuff onto the completed lower. Therefore, building a gun that has no serial number. Traditionally, on most firearms, the part that houses the firing mechanism, right, which would be the lower, is what is serialized and what is categorized by the ATF as a firearm, right? So that's how ghost guns are kind of flying under the radar. They're getting away from that requirement of having serial numbers because they're not completed lowers. You have to physically uh, manipulate them and machine them to get them to be able to accept the parts to then build a firearm. Now, are you legally supposed to have, once you complete all the drilling, the completion of the weapon, according uh, like for the ATF, I guess, are you supposed to put a number, a serial number, get it registered, things no, like that? not necessarily. Um, some okay. states, right, have state laws on registration, and that varies from state to state. Um, but federally, mm. no. In in the ATF considers this a completely legal firearm, right? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. For now. For for <laughs> now, but yeah, as it sits, if if someone were to buy a kid, it's completely legalized, and there's no repercussions for doing what they were doing. What would be a few of the benefits of buying a ghost gun or a kit versus just buying one that's already put together. Well, for the do-it-yourselfers that want to have their hands on and say that they built their own gun, you know. Okay. Uh, and the other ones are mm -hmm. the people who don't want a paper trail, right? That don't want their serial number recorded on a piece of paper. Okay. So the anarchy. Yes. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's basically it i mean in terms of modifications of a weapon there, there's not you know you're, you're buying a kit for a specific gun that you want and it's rather if you want it traced or not correct yes okay. so why would the atf allow this to happen if in general you're supposed to 
have a if you own a firearm, it should have a serial number. And that's a great question. That's a question that I can't answer. So, and this is where I might uh, anger some of my friends that are a little more right leaning. Right? <laughs> and I don't know how y'all feel about it either. Of all of the proposed regulations and restrictions, uh, the ghost gun is the only thing that makes a little bit of sense to me. And I can back that up with a Supreme Court case, um, 1968, which we'll probably get into this when we get into the other things that he proposed, the uh, stabilizers and braces, getting on the NFA registry and all that. I'll probably come back to this. But 1968, Haynes versus U.S. Supreme Court case, um, as part of that, they ruled that, quote, only a processor who lawfully makes, manufactures, and imports firearms must register them, right? And that's why right now firearms do not mm. have to be registered nationally. There is no database of firearms, right? Right. If you're building a gun at your house, are you manufacturing, right? That's the question. So, so that's no different than getting a 3D printer and making your own essentially pistol, yeah it's exactly right? the because same because there's fully exactly functional pistols that you that can would make. be another example of a ghost gun yeah you could build um, like a AR-15 for example you could 3D print a lower receiver right. with no serial number order all of the other parts that aren't mm-hmm. serialized ship them directly to your house and then have a, a functioning you know AR built off of that 3D right. printed lower right yes. huh I kind of agree with you in the sense that I do think it makes sense that weapons should be serialized um, with the modern technology we have in terms of criminal behavior knowing where the gun came from I think is important right but I could also understand the other side of it in terms of the the second amendment where it's none of your none of your the government's damn business what I have amen it's the whole don't tread on me right right <clears throat> you know like why do they need to know if I have a stockpile of weapons. Right. I mean, that's kind of the boat I'm in. It's like, I don't want them knowing if I have weapons or not. Like, it's none of their business, in my opinion. Because I, as a law-abiding citizen, I'm not going to go and just shoot someone, right? 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 I'm not going to uh, do a criminal act with a weapon. So there shouldn't be anything to worry about. Registration right. leads to confiscation, right? <laughs> That's why I hear all these people say they're going to, oh, my, my firearms were lost in a boating accident. I don't yeah, have any. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Did we rent that Chris, boat last be- weekend? Yeah, that's right. You, you've been kind of quiet, Christian. You just kind of tagging along for the ride. You got any questions or whatever? Well, well I just think uh, I, I hadn't heard of ghost guns until like three weeks ago when I had a buddy talking about he was going to get one himself because all this stuff got brought up through the court case and everything or not the court case but Biden and all that and and really me I didn't grow up with firearms I didn't shoot my first gun until I was like 20 and that was like shooting skeet uh, and actually I went to some of Kendall's classes and I was like amazed because I was ignorant and he probably saw that too because I was like I don't know what, what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but I was just interested because I hadn't, I hadn't known anything yet I didn't grow up into it I did work at the big box store with Kindle but I was working at the back I wasn't allowed near the guns <laughs> so 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 Kindle you're saying that if I'm driving down the highway 
and it's just a routine inspection, right? Get pulled over, it's a DUI checkpoint, whatever. They pull me over, and they're like, do you have any weapons, you know, anything in the car? As a law-abiding citizen, you know, like, hey, yeah, here's, I do have a carrying permit, blah, blah, blah. Now, your gun doesn't have to have serial numbers, right? right? But if a police officer sees that, isn't his first instinct, instinct to think, hey, this is stolen, hey, this is a hot gun, So, right? your gun doesn't have to have a serial number if you manufacture it, right? But it is illegal okay. to possess a firearm if the serial number has been altered. So I can't take one of my pistols and remove the serial number from it. That would then make that illegal. Of course. Right. So in that instance on that traffic stop, you know, if you've got a gun where the serial number scratched off, yeah, his suspicions are going to go up. And then that in and of itself is enough to charge you with. Right. Now, is there a big difference between a ghost gun, one that you create, and then the same version that you could buy? You know that has the serial number. Like, is it is it that big of a difference where a police officer could notice? See, like, hey, no. I know. No. Yes. No, you could. So they're they're right to suspect, right? Then that this could be not a legit. Uh, possibly, yeah, yeah. Because there's no way really to tell a difference. I mean, unless you really know what you're looking at. Uh, if I looked at sure. a Glock 19 that's factory and one that's built off of a frame, you know, unless you really really know what you're looking for, you wouldn't be able to tell a difference. Okay. I have a question. If you have a concealed carry license and you get pulled over, uh, do they when they pull, run your plates, do they automatically know that you have a concealed carry? License? Not in Georgia, but in some states they do. Some states, uh, your yeah, in some states your weapon carry license is uh, registered with the DMV, and just by running your plate, they know if you have a carry permit or not. Here in Georgia, you, it is not. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story behind that. Uh, since I'm in Michigan, uh, the Canadian border is not too far away, and you obviously cannot transport firearms across international borders. You know, even if I have a concealed carry here in Michigan, I can't take that gun into Canada. Well, across the I went across to the casino one time, and um, I think I was with a, a friend or, or a cousin or something who did have. A concealed carry. He didn't have his gun, but the Canadian government asked if we, not if we had guns, if we even had a concealed carry permit. And and when he said, you know, my buddy said, yes, I have one, and I said, I know. He said, he goes, good. That's what I see on the screen too. So <laughs> yeah, so, they, so they, they they so <laughs> the Canadian government they must have some connection with Michigan to know. If the if the license plate the carrier has even a permit, because I found it an odd question that they had, they didn't ask if I had any weapons or guns. They asked, mm-hmm. "Do you even have do you have a carry permit in the states?" Which I found very a very intriguing. Interesting. Question. Yeah, it is an interesting yeah. question for. Well, I could see that though. I mean, you're on the border. I'm sure there's some, you know, cooperation. And what that. would they have done if you lied? And well, said no. the my assumption would be they would tell you to pull off to their to their search point. Yeah, okay. Get through the, okay. They'll they'll tear your car apart, up, down, left, and right. Keep you there, keep you there makes, for hours. Sense, search yeah. for a weapon, and they'll just hold you there, mm-hmm. and then they'll make you put your car back together. Mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't find mm-hmm. anything, but they will probably make your life hell for five hours, six, seven hours, as long as they want to be, right? Because yeah. when you when you're 
that that is the one thing when you cross a border that I've always been told is you do not f around. You don't be you're not a, you're not a smart ass. You're not sarcastic. Mm-hmm. You you answer the questions yes no on your way like it's just it's yep. it's very you know and same thing when you're coming back into the states same concept don't try and get anything past them even if you are a citizen though yeah it's kind of weird when when you, I was stuck on the bridge coming back one time and they had three or four canine dogs just going up and down the lines of cars. Just and it's like you know you don't have anything, but you're still nervous as hell. Thinking, oh, don't bark at me, don't bark at me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so Kim sneezes, they bark. They're like, search the car. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, it's it's wild. It's it's a crazy, crazy thing. So, so yeah, I guess from a from a law enforcement stance, I guess it does make sense to kind of get rid of the ghost guns, but. I guess it also depends on, on your personal stance of how far into the Second Amendment do you want to look into things and regulations and stuff like that. I look, okay. Let me put. Let me ask this question then. Since you came with notes, is there a, a, a much larger? Are ghost guns used in more crime than regular guns? No, is there a statistic? Not. Ghost guns. It's an astronomically low percentage of gun crimes uh, that ghost guns are used in. Right. So it's even just, from a criminal. So from a criminal standpoint, there's no, okay, 70% of all gun violence is caused by ghost guns. That's not a thing. No, that's absolutely not a thing. No. Okay, so they, to use that defense, I guess my, my answer's out the door. Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. My. So, no. Uh, it's not like most gun crimes. Most gun crimes are not committed with ghost guns. Most gun crimes are committed with firearms that are illegal to begin with. They're either a prohibited possessor, they're not supposed to have a firearm to begin with, or it's a stolen gun, or you know what have you. Gotcha. Okay. Anything else on this one, guys? You want to move on to the next one? Because this seems to... Go well, ahead. I mean, just... I mean... In summary, I mean, it, it, criminals are going to find ways to commit crimes, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not you put a ban on ghost guns or right. not. Right. Yeah, Correct? Absolutely. So, to me, it's like, why even enact a law? Like, why make it... For sure. Why do such a thing? For sure. Like, is it is it... And I'm just, I mean, it's just a question. Is it really making society safer as a whole by banning ghost guns? I guess is what it boils down to. Yeah. And that's a great question. I mean, that's a, I don't think any of us can answer that. You know, we have opinions on it. Um, but it's a good question. But you have a stat, right? That's like, it's astronomically low that they're using crimes. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, I don't have the statistic in front of me what percentage, uh, sure. but I did look it up earlier, and it's an incredibly low, less than ten. It's a single digit number uh, okay. that are that are ghost guns, right? That are used in these kind of crimes. Do you think there's a large flood of those like across borders, like traffic weapons? Do you think ghost guns get trafficked a lot? Traditional guns get trafficked a lot with the proliferation of three D printing and stuff like that uh, it's just as easy to make one at home it could so it, i it, guess it's not it could, as it, it's not as cost effective i would say you know what i mean to to traffic ghost guns when they can be so easily and and cheaply manufactured here i okay so i guess it could it could potentially be a problem if 3d printing becomes a really big step 
Yeah. In, in yeah, and with the advancements okay. in the way that we're going in 3D printing, I mean, they're 3D printing houses now. You know what I mean? So I, I guess so. okay. So I guess a fair assessment to say that it's not a problem now, and they should, and it potentially could be. It, it's just it's just starting to become a thing, right? Okay. Uh, okay. It's just in the last few years these things they found the way around the ATF, right? And these things have just started getting in the market. Uh, they haven't been out for all that long. Um, so it's just now really how, how long of, do you uh, how long problem. do you think five years ten years the last ten years yeah okay so uh, it's well, just now kind of rearing its head it's just now you know becoming an issue and it's just now kind of being brought mainstream. into the mainstream yeah into the public <laughs> okay view. so I wish they would kind of discuss that more that say that it's it's not necessarily a current age problem but we can see the the problem ahead but. I could see, right? I could see where, you know, if we get 10 years down the road where everybody has a 3D printer at their house, then mm-hmm. I can understand, yeah, we don't want you printing guns in your in well, your garage or whatever. And, and that's th- these are the types of conversations that need to happen because I had no idea. You know, I, I knew of ghost guns, but I didn't know the process of making them, how easy they can be made or the potential of what could happen to them. But uh, interesting. Very interesting. Well, let's move on to the next uh, accolade that he's got listed here. I don't think I think that's the wrong term. I'm trying to sound smart when I'm not, but it is. Yeah. So his next point: the Justice Department, within 60 days, will issue a proposed rule to make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle, subject to the requirements of the National Firearms Act. That was the bullet print. The alleged shooter in the Boulder tragedy last month appears to have used a pistol with an arm brace, which can make a firearm more stable and accurate while lose, while still being concealable. Kendall, you have the floor. So before we really get into that, I guess I need to explain what the National Firearms Act is, right? So they're wanting to That's a good start, yeah. add this onto the NFA registry. NFA stands for National Firearms Act, of course. NFA was originally passed in 1934. Right, it was a tax that was imposed on machine guns, silencers, short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns. It was a $200 uh, tax stamp, and you had to have federal approval in order to be able to possess those items. That dollar amount has not changed since 1934. It's still exactly the same today. It's still a $200 tax stamp in order to possess a short barrel rifle, short barrel shotgun, machine gun, did silencer. You, did you say 1934? Yes. 1934. So $200 is the same from, wow, okay. Yeah, from 1934, (laughs) right? So with inflation, it was a whole lot more expensive back then than it is nowadays. Uh, Anyway, originally in the 30s when the NFA was passed, there actually was a duty to register firearms, right? Um, And this is where things kind of get tricky, right? When we're talking about the NFA and kind of why the NFA wasn't really effective. It was kind of unenforceable whenever it first came out, right? The reason it was unenforceable, um, originally they imposed a duty to register all firearms with the Secretary of the Treasury, right? Then it was ruled that the Treasury Department could disseminate that information down to a state level if need be. You following along so far? Yep. The case Mm -hmm. I referenced earlier, fast forward to 1968 Haynes versus U.S. okay that entire Supreme Court case 
was basically about the registration requirement for firearms. And the Supreme Court ruled that the registration requirement was unconstitutional because it violated people's Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Basically, if they said that they had these NFA items, right, and they registered them on the NFA registry, that information got sent to the Treasury Department, which then could be disseminated down to the state level and used to charge them with crimes at a state level. That makes sense. What crimes are you talking about? So gun law varies from state to state. Right? You oh, have okay. the federal laws, okay. and then you have each state has their own set of gun laws. right? So they could potentially say, all right, well, this you can't have short barrel shotguns at all in this state. right? You, you have that item. You register it. Now the state knows, because that information was disseminated from the Treasury Department to the state, the state knows you have that weapon. Then they can charge you with being in possession of that simply because you registered it. Right? Gotcha. And okay. the Supreme Court ruled on that in 1968, um, which is when the NFA was amended and Title II was brought in, and that removed the requirement for the registration of firearms. Uh, and that brought up what I said earlier uh, and changed to where now only a possessor who lawfully makes manufactures or imports must register them. Right. Okay. So going kind of back to the ghost gun thing, that's where I feel like if they wanted to go against ghost guns, that's the the Supreme Court case I would use, you know what I'm saying? Because it says yeah. that, you know, if you're manufacturing them, that's one thing. So, okay. basically, the way that it works now, guns are not registered. So, WD, in your example, if you're pulled over on a traffic stop and you have your, your gun on your hip, if that serial number gets run through what's called NCIC or GCIC, and the only information that's available is for known stolen, right? So if that gun is stolen, then it'll flag it, right? And it'll say it'll come back with a record found. It'll flag okay. it as a stolen firearm. Then you're going to jail for being in possession of that stolen firearm. If not, it's just going to come back no records found. It's not going to come back and say this is WD's Glock or whatever. It makes sense. Okay. It won't come mm -hmm. back to your name, only if okay. it is stolen. NFA items are different. Anything on the NFA registry, so short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, machine guns, silencers, uh, AOWs, which is any other weapons, uh, and there's a few others, destructive devices. Those Rocket launchers, grenade launchers. Correct, yeah. <laughs> those are federally <laughs> registered, right? Those, you have to get your tax stamp, which is $200. You have to fill out an application that gets sent into the ATF. It has to be approved by the ATF, sent back to you. Uh, and then once you get that tax stamp, that tax stamp has to be with your NFA item in possession at all times, right? So if you've got a silencer, you got to have your tax stamp for your silencer with your silencer at all times. Okay. So is that per, yes, per weapon, that per is attachment? per weapon, that is per, okay. per attachment, yes. So a short-barreled rifle, right? right? If okay. you put a silencer on it, that now becomes a two-tax stamp gun right one for having a short rail rifle and one for the silencer okay what they're talking about doing is taking ar pistols okay by definition a rifle has to have a barrel with at least 16 inches in length a shotgun has to have a barrel of at least 18 inches in length a short barrel rifle would be a rifle with a barrel under 16 inches short barrel shotgun a shotgun with a barrel under 18 inches right 
Okay. So what they're talking about doing with the stabilizing braces is taking what are sold now as AR pistols, right? Because they have an arm brace on the back of them with a barrel ranging usually anywhere from a real short one would be six or seven and a half up to maybe 14 inch barrel, right? But they're sold as a pistol because the stabilizing brace on the back instead of a stock on the back. They're talking about adding those now to the NFA registry and considering those short-barreled rifles just like as if they had a stock on the back. Okay, so essentially it's it's a pistol with a long brace that you can then put on your shoulder, correct? Correct. Is that, yes. Okay. So, okay, so that's it. The, the gun's legal. It's legally a pistol. It's legally a pistol. You can legally buy it with no special permit. So why, why are they saying... It's it's. Why are they trying to define it as a rifle? Just because the the overall length of the brace plus the gun? No, it's not even that. It's the just the fact that once you add the stabilizing brace onto it, then on with most braces, if you want to, you can shoulder them. Right, you can hold it up to your shoulder and use that uh, instead mm-hmm. of the way that the braces were designed to be made. The way that they're designed, they're hollow on the back. They have a strap that goes like around your arm, right, to where you're supposed to hold it like that Mm -hmm. nobody actually does that right everybody just puts the arm brace on the back and then uses it just like a stock to put up against their shoulder okay so by using the term rifle is kind of a misnomer right now in terms of how it's it's classified and shown to public or in just general discussion right and when we start getting into nfa laws there's a lot a lot that is just silly right you take that same AR pistol that's completely legal right now, you put a vertical grip on it, right? So a grip that's 90 degrees perpendicular to the mm-hmm. barrel, then it becomes an AOW and then you have to have a tax stamp for it. But I can put an angled foregrip, <laughs> right, on there and it's completely legal. I can have a barrel on my pistol that is 14 inches if I have a flash hider that's two inches long and I pin and weld that onto my gun to give me an overall length of 16 inches that's completely fine if that flash hider is not pinned and welded onto the barrel it's a short barrel rifle I gotta have a tax stamp right so there's a million little examples like that of laws that don't really make a lot of sense right now okay so could you surmise it to say anything that makes shooting the weapon more accurate and easier to shoot technically could be an AOW right and following that category but not necessarily anything right because I can add an optic to it I can add a laser to it I can add an angled foregrip to it I just can't add a vertical foregrip to it yeah but a vertical foregrip is going to give you better precision at a distance correct than an angle not necessarily no, not necessarily. No, okay. when uh, get into rifle okay. tactics, it's I grip like this over the top. So, yeah. Okay. So it's not necessarily any more accurate. It's not. It's not changing anything other than just how the ATF views the gun. It's not functionally changing anything at all on the gun. Okay. Realistically, it's not making it any bigger. It's not making it any harder to hide if I put a, a vertical foregrip on there versus an angled. It's just how it's viewed in the eyes of the ATF. And that's what they're talking about doing with the pistol braces is that's just going to be another attachment that in the eyes of the ATF is going to make it then an SBR 
a short barrel rifle instead of a pistol. Do you think that's a good move or a bad move? Well, here's the problem. That Supreme Court case I just referenced, right? Yeah. Talk about, and what I said earlier, registration leads to confiscation, right? There Mm -hmm. are millions, millions and millions of AR pistols. The AR-15 is the number one selling firearm ever manufactured of all time in world history, period. Uh, of those, a lot of them are AR pistols, right? And especially in the last 10 years, last five years, there's been a humongous change over to AR pistols just because they are a little bit shorter and they're a little bit easier to use, like inside of a house or home defense, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, do I think... All right, so I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. Okay, you say AR-15, and I'm thinking the classic... I'm, I'm picturing in my head the classic example of what you see all the time of what an AR-15 is. Okay. Right. How does that convert into a pistol? It's hard to show you without pictures. All you do is you take the buffer tube, which is the part on the back that the stock attaches to, you put a little bit shorter one on there, and you put an arm brace on the back instead of a stock. So it shortens your overall length of the gun down to where the barrel is below 16, the overall length is below 32. How, how, how does the barrel get below 16 if all you're doing is taking the stock off? The barrel's not changing. Your overall length of the weapon, right? So it's not okay, just so the we, barrel; the overall length that has to be over thirty-two inches. Oh, okay, okay. So they're taking the class example I'm thinking and just shortening it to make it a pistol, right? In most cases, it's your or, barrel or, that or, you're shortening, though. Okay, so it's not it's not turning into a. It's changing the definition to a pistol because of the length of the gun. Yes, but we're okay. talking about we're still talking about a gun that's two to three feet long, right? We're talking about okay. taking, you know, like I said, the difference between a 14 and a half inch barrel and a 16 inch barrel, right? Is that one inch going to make that gun easier to conceal, easier for me to put under a, a coat or something like that? No, absolutely not. That's not. Uh, adding them to the registry, the problem that I have with it is there's just so many of them out there, right? And so how do you deal with the millions that are already out there? You know, do those get grandfathered in or do you suddenly say, okay, now just because you bought this and it was completely legal at the time, now you owe us $200 for this tax stamp or your gun becomes illegal. And not only is it illegal, it's a felony to be in possession of a unregistered NFA item. All right. That's not going to go over. That's not going to go well. When they just, when they just do buyback programs? You do your buyback, but then what happens to all the people who don't want to give their guns back, right? Well, I mean, well, there's that, but I mean, a lot of people, if you're they're buying them back, I mean, I don't know. Unless they're buying them back at well, three times what they're worth, you know what I mean. Most people are not going well, to do that. Well, even that in this in this climate, I don't think you're going to have people who want three, four, five times what it was worth. No, no, they'll right? Tell, they'll go tell they'll tell them to screw off. Exactly. And so right. then, 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 what do you do, right? Do those people just become felons overnight, right? You just instantly create mm-hmm. millions of felons in the country can't do that you can't it would overwhelm the prison system i mean it would cause economic collapse all these people losing their jobs over felony convictions all that stuff i mean it would be horrible astronomical it it it, it amazes me of how many products or aftermarket pieces can make a gun from legal to illegal you mentioned three or four things just in, in the last couple of minutes that makes the gun a, a completely illegal and a felon, felony. Yes. 
and it's not and you're also describing where it's not an easy process to get some of these pieces to get a tax stamp so a tax stamp right now right now um the dealer that i work for we're a class three dealer which means that we're licensed to sell nfa items we do tax stamps and all that stuff right we sell silencers and all that the average wait time right now to get your tax stamp back is about eight to 12 months good lord right and so again if we suddenly create a requirement for millions of people to have those tax stamps what is that wait time going to turn into when it's already a year to get one back now so if i purchase a silencer from you that said silencer would have to stay with you guys until the tax stamp comes in then i can get both at the same time correct legally so that's exactly the way it works if you bought a silencer from us uh, you would come in, you do all your paperwork, you buy a silencer, and then that silencer would sit in your safe, or in our safe, excuse me. Yeah, your safe, with yeah. your name on it, and uh, it sit there for a year or however long it takes your tax stamp to come back. We allow conjugal visits if you want to come shoot it, but it can't leave the building <laughs> until we get your tax stamp back. That's good, and then you can leave with it. I. I don't think people understand the process of it to get some of these items. Most people don't. Mm. I mean, it, it's very well. I know supply and demand, but it, it's relatively easy to just go get a gun from a various store, whether it be a shotgun, a rifle, a pistol, whatever. Right. But to get all these silencers and extended barrels and extended magazines and braces and that—that's a long process to do it legally, and that just draws the conclusion that the law by is not the problem it's the criminals who are going to get this stuff either through stolen or whatever right so there's to no accomplish whatever they want the only so, thing that i heard is magazines there's no restriction on magazines right now that's another thing that the biden administration had, had pushed for is the ban on high capacity magazines um, right now it's right. as easy as walking into the shop saying hey i want that and you can come buy a hundred round magazine if you okay. want okay my apologies what about the gun shows I know they sell, you know, you have the ability to get these silencers, you know, things so like N- that at a gun show. NFA so that items work? can't be transferred without a trust. Um, they can't be transferred without going through a class three okay. dealer, right? So silencers, stuff okay. like that, you don't really see at gun shows. If you do, it's a dealer, it's a licensed okay. dealer that's there selling them. And it's sure. the same exact process as if you were in a brick and mortar store. Okay. Uh, that's a good. I'm glad you brought up the okay. gun show thing because that's something else that I hear a lot about is the quote unquote gun show loophole, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is kind of non-existent, right? It's kind of not a thing. Again, <laughs> licensed dealers at gun shows. I've worked gun shows before. Licensed dealers are still yeah. required to submit a federal background check for all gun purchases, even at a gun show. The what they're talking about with the quote gun show loophole is private party transfers right where i bring my gun mm-hmm. with me to the gun show i run into you there and i say hey you want to buy this and then we go outside and you buy it right. in the parking lot right in georgia again private party transfers are completely legal here in georgia i can sell christian a gun right now if i wanted to we don't have to do any paperwork we don't have to do anything and it's his gun just that easy silencer and everything tax silencer all that, all that that stuff? has to go through a licensed dealer right i can't that's i'm talking about a regular firearm i'm not talking about nfa items so 
So okay, so any so it doesn't NFA items doesn't matter. Private seller, dealer, wherever yes. you're at, you're gonna have to go through the whole process of getting a tax yes. tax stamp and all of that. If right. you want a short barrel rifle, a short barrel shotgun, a machine okay. gun, a silencer, an AOW, a destructive device, you have to go through a license mm. dealer to get it. Uh, if you buy one from an individual, now do you have to go through classes? Do you have to go through classes in order to get like a no. machine gun? Um, certain, certain. You don't have to have a certain certificate no. or carrying permit. Just the license, license. the the tax stamp is all. Okay. If if you were to okay. private sell a tax stamp item, that sounds like a felony. You just said it is a felony. You just, <laughs> okay, th- that that was my question. What's the penalty for getting caught in doing so? And who gets who gets charged? The buyer or the seller? The seller would get charged, um, and it's a it's a felony. I mean, uh, the minimum on it, I believe, is ten year. I mean, it's a, it's a major felony. Okay. So. Okay, and then I would also have to assume that all the legalized dealers at gun shows don't tolerate people trying to screw the system, right? They're like, if I would imagine someone tried going in there selling guns illegally, they would be all on top of them, telling them to get out and reporting them. Does that yeah, sound exactly? Yeah. So yeah. and plus, it takes away from our business, right? People right. are there. <laughs> um, <Right>. <laughs> so, but there's a difference in illegal and you know maybe. A little immoral uh, like i said here in georgia private party transfers are completely legal so it's not regulated it's not governed unless it's an fa item right people can sell their guns all they want to individuals hmm. right and that's another thing that the biden administration has has talked about closing is the, the boyfriend loophole and all that stuff right you know i you're bringing up great points i mean you, you it sounds like what the administration is trying to do on surface seems to be a moral or ethical endeavor, something maybe on a public health crisis or to help society move forward. I mean, that, that's without getting into the idea of, of Second Amendment and is gun is our guns a problem in, in mental health. You know, that's avoiding all those subtopics. But there's a lot of pieces that they don't talk about that they fail to. You know, how are you going to, like you said, how are you going to maneuver around millions of braces? How are you going to maneuver around hundreds of thousands of suppressors? Right. You know, what are you going to do? And, and without any clear answer, most people are going to revolt and say, well, screw you. Until you figure out what's going to happen, you're not going to get it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you can use like the bump stocks that just got banned right, by the Trump administration. Yeah. You can use that as a, an example. That's just a type. That's. A type of attachment that attaches to the back of an AR, very similar to a pistol brace, that makes it illegal. The difference in bump stocks and pistol braces are the number of them that are in the market, right? AR pistols are very, very common. Bump stocks, few and far between, right? So it's going to be a much, much bigger issue. And not to mention, they didn't talk, they didn't add bump stocks to the NFA registry. They just made them illegal and made it a machine gun if you possessed it. So. So, can a quick little uh, political question for you? Can you be pro Trump and pro two A at the same time? He did a lot of good things, right for the for the two A, uh, mm-hmm. the banning of bump stocks. Uh, that was the big thing. I've, I've heard people's like, yeah. you cannot be pro Trump and pro two A with the. It depends on how two A you stocks. are, right? Um, okay, I'm all for the Second Amendment, right? And 
right? I had, so I'll give you my personal view and then I'll give you kind of my professional view. Professional view, I say no, right? It's Second Amendment, right? Personal view, I've run bump stocks, right? Bump stocks are impractical. I promise you I can run a a regular AR-15 with no bump stock and I can dump it way faster than one of you could with a a bump stock on it, right? Um, So I didn't really care. Okay. Right. But okay. that was a selfish, that was my opinion. That was because, hey, this is something I'm never going to have, I'm never going to own, right? And that's not the right way to look at it. So, again, my professional opinion, yeah, it's it wasn't good. Right. Because it it's is. an infringement, yes. right? Yeah. No matter how you look at it, it is an actual yeah. infringement. Okay. You know, they, they want to bring up one argument against the Second Amendment is is that the, at the time the Constitution was written, it was for weapons of war, dot, 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 dot. Uh, I I hate that <laughs> argument as well because at that time the weapons of war were muskets, right? You know, and and the the technologies of that. That's all they're supposed to cover. I, I'm tr- we're trying to have a nice discussion here. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry. So all you have are muskets, but as technology advanced, you know, World War One you had the turret guns and you had machine guns like that that decimated enemy lines where they didn't have that technology. Now, so. Technology advances, but that doesn't change the weapons of war situation. I think that's a horrible argument because a weapon of war changes with technology, right? Civilians have always supplied weapons of war to the military, always, since the beginning of time. Even now, right? Most of our weapons of war are manufactured by civilians. Here in Georgia, we got Lockheed Martin right up the road. That's Mm -hmm. a private company, right? That's civilians that are manufacturing Jets for the United States Air Force, fighter right? <laughs> bombs, all that sort of stuff are, are manufactured mostly by civilians, right? Ammunition manufactured by civilians. So, I kind of agree with you. I think the argument that to say that the military is the only ones that should have weapons of war is silly. Civilians have always supplied the military with their weapons of war, and mm-hmm. that dates back to 1776 and the founding of the country, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our, our third uh, topic of this, and this is on the, the Red Flake Law. And I'll say this is the one that I'm probably most passionate about. Yeah, we're going to get and into we'll, a discussion on <laughs> yeah, this we'll, one already now. We'll get into So the bolder print here, the Justice Department within 60 days will publish model, quote, Red Flag legislation for the states. It continues to read, Red Flag laws allow family members or law enforcement to petition for a court order temporarily bar- barring people in crisis from accessing firearms if they present a danger to themselves or others. The president urges Congress to pass an appropriate national red flag law, as well as legislation incentivizing states to pass red flag laws on their own. In the interim, the Justice Department Mm. just, excuse me, in the interim, the Justice Department's published model legislation will make it easier for states that want to adopt red flags law to do so. So there's a couple things to, to go off of here. And I, I find it interesting on the bot, the last sentence here uh, to make it easier for states that want to adopt red flag laws to do so. So you're going to have to you saw have how the they want them. There, right? I know half the states want them, half the states won't get them. So, um, <laughs> but it, this is this is extremely an infringement in constitutional rights, in my opinion. Um, just to hear family members, that's bogus, or law enforcement petition. Barring people from crisis from accessing firearms, and basically they could come in and take your weapons if they want to. Hmm? 
It's because amendments are absolute. Sorry, political statement. <laughs> so, Kendall, give us your give us your your synopsis on this on the red flag. Oh, where to start? Um, I, I agree. I think it's totally unconstitutional. I think it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment, um, unlawful search and seizure, um, yep. unless. We have a system in place now. It's not a very good system. We'll get into that maybe in a little bit. But um, for mental health reporting and all that stuff, who mm-hmm. is your family member or your, you know, estranged ex-girlfriend or somebody to be able to diagnose you mentally to say that you're not stable and you're not allowed to have firearms, right? right. I could just see a humongous right. potential for abuse Right, you, your brother, somebody gets mad at you. You get in a fight, and all of a sudden, hey, I don't want him to have his guns. Right, right. I'm I'm scared for my life that he's going to come shoot me. Exactly. There's so, so many problems with the red flag law up and down. Like there's so many. So just, it, basically, well, it boils that. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say, basically, the way that I I view it is. It's a violation of the Fourth Amendment, right? It becomes an unlawful search and unlawful right. seizure of those firearms. Mm-hmm. Um, searches and seizure inside a home without a warrant are presumptively unreasonable. That's a quote from a 1980 Supreme Court case, uh, Peyton versus State of New York, right? Searches and seizures inside a home without a warrant are presumptively unreasonable, which means that they would have to get a warrant, right? In order to get a warrant, mm-hmm. right? You have to have probable cause that a crime has been committed. There has to be a reasonable suspicion of a crime, and you have to be able to articulate mm-hmm. that suspicion to a judge who would then sign off on the warrant, right? Articulate what crime you believe that I'm committing in order to obtain that warrant to come into my house to take my guns. What crime am I committing yeah. by just being in legal possession of my legal firearms? Right. Right. Unless you have a warrant, if you come in that door, it is a violation of the Fourth Amendment and it is an unlawful search and seizure, in my opinion. I want to get, get your opinion on this, too, because I've heard other through other social media sites and stuff that there's a lot of cops that are like, we are. I'm not going to a door and telling someone to give me their guns. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll get shot. I mean, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a security <laughs> personnel as yourself, how, how would you feel if you had to do that? Like... I wouldn't. Would you do it? I wouldn't. I mean, right. So that's a lot of the reason that I, I work in the private security industry, right? Because I get to do all the fun stuff um, with TPS. We also do like bail enforcement and we go hunt fugitives and all that stuff. Um, we do all armed security. But if something like that happens, I'm not going to be the guy that goes and knocks on your door because I personally right. won't do it. You know. Um, a lot of law enforcement officers, I'm friends with a ton of cops, right? Well, I won't name drop, mm-hmm. but all my cop friends have said, I won't do it. I won't go knock on the door. I'll hang up my badge and turn in my gun before I go do that. Right. Right. Because as a law enforcement, well, there's been as multiple- a law enforcement officer, you're sworn to protect and uphold the Constitution of the United States, right? So if you're doing something that right. directly violates that and it's going against their oath of office, the oath that they swore. Well, there's multiple governors that have come out and already put in legislation that if these executive orders do pass, then they're like Arizona, for instance. They went ahead and passed, um, I forgot what, 
what the governor exactly said, but basically any any of these executive orders that come through, you know, won't be enforced in yeah. our state. Yeah. You know, I think Florida came out with that as well. So. I, I see the biggest problem, which is people bullshitting calls in saying I'm scared for my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. How, how do you feel if this went on to – do you think there could be a benefit to red flag laws? And, and I have a, a, a situation I think might – do you think there's any good to, out of these at all? No, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your example. So the only example that I think would be – that would justify this – a red flag law would be – if someone put something on social media, okay, if they put something on there that said, you know, I'm going to go kill you or I'm going to go to the school or I'm going to go to the theater or whatever. And you've seen some of these examples through some of these shootings over the last decades mm-hmm. where there were clues listed shown on social media. They just were never taken seriously. So the protocols of, of and policies of when is a social media post relevant or not. I think this is the only area where I think you could say, all right, you know what? You've put enough evidence out there on social media that we're concerned. So we're going to take your guns. We're going to get you into, you know, a 72 hour psych hold or something like that. I, again, I don't know what the answer would be, but we're going to make sure that, but at that point you have enough evidence for a warrant. That's probable cause. Well, so So, let me weigh in on this one. (laughs) It's already illegal. Right. I, if I go post on Facebook and say I'm going to shoot someone, I have already committed a crime, just in doing that. Right. Uh, that is enough to charge me with. Okay. As far as like red flag laws, you're right. There have been so many instances where uh, active shooters. I teach an active shooter response class where I, I get a lot deeper into this kind of stuff. The one in Parkland, uh, several of the others where there have been so many signs online. People have posted on Facebook, all sorts of stuff, and those signs got ignored, right? Where family members have gone to their local law enforcement agencies and said, hey, we think there's a problem, and then those agencies have kind of shrugged it off, right? Okay. So I think stuff like that, that has to be handled at a local level, you know? That's a case-by-case, and and shame on those agencies— for shrugging that off, right? You got at least got to look into it. I agree with you. I think that at a more local level is, but I think that's, but again, I think that's the only way where you can have some type of red flag justification would be those clues that you find on social media. But again, the, the, the policies and protocols and criteria that needs to be established before a red flag law could be ever be put into place. Yeah. And, right. and, and yeah. one of the things you brought up, you know, was uh, mental health, you know, a uh, mental health hold or something like that. If you are involuntarily committed to a mental institution, it then makes you a prohibited possessor. Right. And then you can't get a gun. No. To begin right. with. Even so, after the hold? Yes. Right? So that okay. law is already Ooh. existent. All right. So that needs to be figured. That needs to be. Right. And and that kind of ties me into the next thing that I kind of wanted to tie up with is uh, all the laws that exist that aren't enforced.
Hey guys, that's going to be it for part one of our gun control conversation with Kendall. Come back next week for part two. We hope that you enjoyed it. Drop a comment. Let us know what you think about these new gun laws coming out. And let us know what you think just about the things going on in the world. Let's see if we can't get somebody in here to cover those topics as well. We hope to see you next week, guys. Have a great day. Bye.